Hello and welcome to Good Robot Andy's Season 9, Episode 16. My name is Andy Balaam and this is... Andy Cockerill. And the thing that we're going to talk about this evening is... So, uh, last time we did a pod, we talked about licorice pizza. And as Mm -hmm. I was talking about licorice pizza, I was saying, oh, we should definitely do a a round-up of all PTA, Paul Thomas Anderson's movies. Parent Teacher Association. So that is what's happening today. Right, so we did a Paul Thomas Anderson movie, and now we're doing a load of Paul Thomas Anderson movies. Yeah, we're just going to do like a round-up like we did for uh, Denny Villeneuve... Oh, yeah, we did, didn't we? And Where's Anderson? We did one as well. Did we? A little while ago. Yeah, quite a while ago now, yeah. I like a Wes Anderson movie. Yeah. Um, on the subject of Wes Anderson, mm-hmm. um, I watched with my son um, The French Dispatch, which was yeah. his, his latest movie. Great. Liked it. It's the most Wes Anderson movie I've ever seen. It was extremely Wes Anderson. It's like every, everything that he's famous for is in there, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and it, it like it was at times it was hard to figure out whether there was a story, <laughs> absolutely, or just a series of vignettes. Yeah, but and um, quirky yes, characters. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I feel like uh, he never discards an actor, so like yeah, just collects them. <laughs> he collects them, so he, he casts one actor in one film, then the next film he casts another one, and the next one they're both in the next film yeah. with another actor, and then it just rolls on and on and on. It was stuffed with movie stars, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. And some of them are not in it for very long as well. Yeah, and you do <clears> get this the feeling of like him kind of thinking, I wonder if I can get away with this. And then yes. he gets away with it every time. Absolutely. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. But it was, I think if you came into that cold, yeah. you would be like, what is this? What What is going on here? Yeah, but I mean, what an amazing treat that would have been. Yes, I once yeah. watched. Well, maybe I maybe. watched that Coen Brothers film that people don't like so much. The um, Burn After Reading. Yeah, I think it was Burn After Reading, and uh, was that the one with Catherine Beta Blocker and Turn Left After Reading, and um, <laughs> and George Clooney? Was it that one? Uh, and most of them got about. George Clooney in. Oh, is that no? That's Intolerable Cruelty. Ah, which I haven't seen. Okay, uh, so Burn After Reading is the one with Brad Pitt. Right, Francis right, right. McDormand. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Which I didn't I, like very much. I, I liked it, but I watched it not knowing it was a Coen Brothers movie. And right. so I thought, oh, this is kind of a cool movie, but a bit more quirky than a usual movie. And if, <laughs> I had, if I'd been watching it thinking, oh, I'm going to get a Coen Brothers thing here, I'd right, have been really right. disappointed. Which is what I was. Yeah, because you're <laughs> yes. expecting, expecting something quite different, and then they, it was quite an ordinary film. But a good one, I thought. Yeah, yeah. It's not great. Burn after Reading. I thought it was good. <laughs> Fine. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, apparently that's okay. Um, mm. All right. So uh, we got some feedback. Um, uh, what? Through through the mastodons, we got. Although we were tooted at. We were tooted at we were. through the mastodons. Unexpectedly, um, actually, that was quite yeah. something. Um, so for anyone who's not picked up so far. Mastodon is like Twitter, but it's not controlled by an evil corporation. In fact, it could be controlled by you if you wanted to. Want yeah. it to be. And Enzian uh, tooted at us, even though Enzian is on a different Mastodon server from us, because you can be on your own server and talk to people on other servers. It's really cool. And Enzian said, nice podcast. Uh, thank you, Enzian. Yes. Uh, I thought that Licorice Pizza was pleasant, 
Not award-worthy, but definitely worth a rewatch sometime. The episodic structure and the setting reminded me of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. The vibe seemed similar. If you hated that one, you're unlikely to enjoy LP either. Licorice Pizza. Yeah, I think that's fair. Actually, I think um, I think Once Upon in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood lacks the sharper storytelling of Licorice Pizza in that. Okay. Quentin Tarantino really needs to find an editor who can lock him out of the edit suite right. and uh, deliver a film that's under three hours long. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, I can see that. Uh, I don't think I've watched think, once upon a time. Yeah, it's, yeah I, it's definitely of the most, of the recent Tarantino output, it is the least annoying. Right. I, I, yeah. I came this close to watching Django Unchained the other day and I didn't yeah it's okay yeah it's very I was long. expecting it to be okay I don't mind things being yeah. long like I mean that's just more more of something that's good okay so I'll quantify that then <laughs> it's long and it doesn't need to be yeah well I, just, that, that, I don't yeah. mind like it, it I mean, lacks it, some brevity you're talking to someone who whose favourite Saturday afternoon pastime is sitting in front of Either the Formula E or Formula One, or yep. a snooker, and immediately falling asleep. Yeah, well, that's what Formula One does to me and then as well. Waking yeah. up and it's still going on, and that is a very positive aspect of those those yeah, television definitely. programs to me. Um, so I think that is that is a fair comment. But anyway, it's lovely to have feedback. So there's more. There's um, more. There's, more. there's, there's actually yeah. lots. Oh, more. okay. So yep. then he continues. Uh, some people paid a lot of attention to the age gap. Um, yes. They did, yeah. Uh, I didn't really bring it up during our podcast because I didn't think it was worth... Okay, well, so I what, did talk what's, about up, it. what's up with it? Well, what's up with it is that he's much younger than she is. Right, right. oh, you did mention that, yeah, of course. I did mention it, but I didn't mm. make it like a focal point of why I wanted to talk about the film. So Engine says, yeah. but it felt tacked at the beginning while being barely visible in the rest of the movie. Something which is helped by characterisation. Brackets. Gary is at school in the first scene, but spends the rest of the movie going out for drinks or managing a business. He's very confident with all kinds of people, shows initiative where he makes a fair bit of money, while Alana's in a dead end. So in a way, he's he's yeah. kind of like the adult. In fact, didn't you say something along those lines? That is pretty much what I said, yeah. He's incredibly confident and she's a bit bored. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, they kind of make a good team in that way. And then... Um, the last thing that Enzian said, I'm sorry, Enzian, if I referred to you as he. Um, I, d- I have no idea uh, what your favourite pronoun is. Uh, maybe I didn't. I, but, um, so Enzian continues, the name comes from a record store chain. So this is the name of the movie. The name comes from a record yep. store chain that was active in the Los Angeles area at the time. Still very random, but it's supposed to give a 1970s California feeling, I guess. Yes. Yes, I looked that up because I didn't know, and it is indeed. Um, I guess that's probably only... That's a very specific reference, isn't it? Right. Yeah. <laughs> to a to a record store chain, but nonetheless, um, thank you for the feedback. Yeah, very nice to hear from yeah. you, listener. And I presume now we we've met our listener. So yes, uh, if there are any more out there, that if there would are any be more, a shock to all of us. Indeed, so. Yes. Thank you. Thank you very much, Entian. <clears throat> if that's how you pronounce your name. If indeed, yeah. Cool. So right. let's do this thing. Okay, let's do this thing. So um, let's let's look through Paul Thomas Anderson's filmography. Mm-hmm. 
started in 96. The most recent one was 2021, so he's been going for a little while. If you had to summarise his style in a single word with yes. two syllables, oh, what would it be? Oh, wow. Altman. <laughs> nice. Okay. Yeah. Fine. I gave you so a difficult Altman-esque. challenge. That's yeah, three um, So I think what I was talking about last week with licorice pizza, large, you know, Ensemble casts, frequently with lots of people on screen at the same time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Overlapping dialogue, naturalistic, mm-hmm. uh, frequently shot from... Not so much... Altman used to like to shoot from distance, mm-hmm. using long lenses yes. to give a, a sense of um, observing people, mm-hmm. uh, which I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a very yeah. signature style of his. Yeah, uh, cool. Paul Thomas Anderson does less of that, but he does still do it. Right, so, right, right. Uh, so yeah, I'd say Altman is his probably his biggest influence. I think okay. I read that somewhere as well. Right. And that's his, his biggest influence. So let's go back to '96. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I haven't seen all of these films. I mm-hmm. haven't seen his first film. I do. Even though I did acquire it recently, specifically so that I could watch it, <laughs> and I haven't watched it because I just haven't had the time. Well, listener, like if you would like Andy C to. Uh, Watch the movies before he talks about them. You should probably like set I'm up not a Patreon. Talk about it. <laughs> set up a Patreon for well, us, absolutely, and then send us that, some yeah. cash. Okay. Yeah. Um, so his first movie was called Hard. His first feature film mm-hmm. was called Hard Eight. Um, originally titled Sydney, and it's a 1996 American crime film. Um, it was his directorial debut, and here we can see. Actors who will come back. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. he's another director who gathers actors and right. never lets them go. Um, so we got uh, Philip Baker Hall, who will appear in two more of his movies. John C. Riley, who I think is a pretty regular collaborator. Gwyneth Paltrow, who I don't think did anything again. And Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, wow. So um, how on earth did he get names like Gwyneth Paltrow and Samuel L. Jackson? It's a good cast, isn't it? It's a really solid cast. Yeah, um, so where did that come from? Is it connections from him or studio? Or, um, I, don't know. I think that he, he'd made some short films mm-hmm. and people immediately realised that this screenplay was really good. Right. And he managed to gather that amazing cast. So it's, it's, a, it's a crime drama about a, a gambler um, who g- gets into trouble, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I haven't seen it. So I'm not going to talk about it. Okay, I mean, you just have. Yeah, I know. But uh, So next up, uh-huh. from 1997, something that a listener will probably have heard of, Boogie Nights. Yes. Gosh, I didn't know that was... <clears throat> okay, I don't think I've seen it. I haven't seen okay. anything there, have I? Tell um, me a bit about it. That's what okay. we do on this podcast. So this is an American period, a 1997 American period comedy drama film. I'd say it's not that funny. Right. Um, I'd say, yeah, I'd say it's more of a drama comedy, to be honest. I mean, more it, drama, less comedy. It just seems like it would be boring. That's why I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's not boring. No. Mm. It's set in uh, Los Angeles, uh, San Fernando Valley, mm-hmm. and focuses on a young nightclub dishwasher who becomes a popular star of pornographic films. Mm-hmm. He's played by Marky Mark Wahlberg in his ah. feature debut actually he's so great he is good isn't he yeah yeah i mean he's been in some dreadful movies but 
I mean, haven't we all? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe I have, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this chronicles the rise of the golden age of adult movies of the 1970s okay. uh, to the fall and the excesses of the 1980s. Okay. Um, and it stars uh, Marky Mark Wahlberg. Uh, he doesn't have the funky bunch in this one. Okay. Uh, just Mark Wahlberg. Right, right, right. Do you remember Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch? I remember he was in a band. Yeah, but that's that's what they were called. Right. Yeah. And I remember um, that he was called Marky Mark. Yeah. Julianne Moore is in this. Ah, oh, she's Reynolds. amazing. So this was a bit of a comeback for Burt Reynolds. So he was right. uh, Burt Reynolds was a big star in the 1970s. Yeah. Um, very charismatic, funny actor. Did a lot of, I'd say, pretty. Pretty light-hearted, but very entertaining movies. Yeah, but you're, you're just waiting to hear time. about the scandals of... It's just like... <laughs> I don't think there were any. Yeah, no. I, I'm not trying to cast aspersions. I'm just saying... Yeah. It's just, yeah. just, you just wouldn't be that surprised because of people no. from that time period. No, indeed. Uh, Don Cheadle, John C. Riley again. Uh, William H. Macy, Philip Seymour Hoffman, who was a regular collaborator. And Heather Graham. Now, Boogie Nights is is pretty amazing, actually. Right. So it manages to take what is basically a pretty seedy business mm-hmm. and, and, and make it about the characters. Right. Make it about the people rather than the business. Right, right. Um, uh, so it is funny at times, but it is also quite heartbreakingly sad. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a scene when... Um, Heather Graham's character and Julianne Moore's character are completely out of their minds on, I think, cocaine. And Heather Graham's saying to Julianne Moore, will you be my mum? I just want you to be my mum. And she's saying, yes, I'll be your mum. Mm-hmm. And it's just really, like, sad and, mm-hmm. you know, heartbreakingly awful. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Burt Reynolds, who plays the guy who is basically in charge of making these films... Mm-hmm. He protects his people, you know, he's a nice fatherly figure to mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. So it portrays everybody at that time who was working on this stuff as being not terrible people, really. Uh-huh. Seems unlikely, but fair enough. Yeah. I mean, it does seem unlikely, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, apparently, this film was not popular with the actual industry. They didn't find it to be funny or entertaining. Right, 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 right. right. Because they lack a sense of humour or a sense of irony or, you know... <laughs> Any of those sorts of things. Have you listened to the John Ronson podcasts? Yes. The Last Days of August. Yeah, and there's another one, isn't there? Is it before or after that? There was a follow-up. Yeah. 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 They're fascinating, aren't they? Oh, yeah. And so distressing. I was thinking about one of those today, actually. I don't really know why, but um, I think in the follow-up podcast, he talks to... Uh, a former adult actor who got out of the business, decided to retrain as a nurse because he'd always wanted to do that. Mm-hmm. He was doing really well. He was happy. He was settled. And then one day, HR came to him and opened a website and said, is this you mm-hmm. on the website? And he said, yes. And they said, well, you have to go now. And and he's mm. like, why? Uh, and he, And they said, well, because... If you're there, people can see you there. If a woman comes in here and says she, you touched her inappropriately, we'll get sued. Mm. 
and there's nothing we can do about it. So you have to go now. We're really sorry, but you have to go now. And it was just his... Um, he was heartbroken about it. And yeah. it's like, you know, I, I thought I was out of it, but it's going to follow me around for the rest of my life. And right. there's nothing I can do about it. And that was to do with the rise of these sites that um, that provide content for free that yeah, wasn't, Pornhub, was never yeah. supposed to be free. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's really, it's really interesting. Really interesting documentary. Yeah. Um, John Ronson, amazing. Sorry for distracting you. But yeah, no, no. I think that probably portrays a more realistic... Um, I think we should put a link to that podcast at the end of... Um, it I was will, originally an audible thing, but then but now it it's available was for free. The last days of August, it was yes. called. Yeah, if you search um, your podcast client for the la- if I forget to put the link in, search your podcast yeah. client for for the last last days of August. Uh, it's really good. Made by John. Actually, Robinson. he was on Desert Island Discs recently. That's also worth yeah. a listen. Um, I'm also listening to his current podcast or recent podcast, which is called uh, "Things Fell Apart," and it's about oh, culture, yeah, I've heard of that. culture wars. Right. So called culture means you know things like abortion and trans rights and things like that and why and like he's finding stories from the seventies or whatever about how this stuff started or even the fifties and it's all incredibly surprising and random it's it's amazing yeah John Ronson John Ronson's brilliant yeah sorry for distracting you that's okay Um, uh, there's there's a great scene in this that alludes to something that so. Let me just wind that back. So Mark Wahlberg, his character is loosely based on an actor called John Holmes, mm-hmm. who was quite famous in the industry at that time. Mm-hmm. He's loosely based on him and some of the things that he got up to. And in this film, when they're down on their luck and they haven't got any money and they want drugs, they go and see a character played by Alfred Molina, who is mm-hmm. quite a you know quite a well-known actor. Um, and... Whilst they're there, they basically go there to go and rip the place off. Mm-hmm. And in, in a very Altman-esque scene, as they're talking to Alfred Molina, there's this other guy in the room who's setting off Chinese firecrackers on the floor as they're talking. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's, all just, it's a bit Cohen Brothers. It's a mm-hmm. bit Coensy as well. Mm-hmm. It's all incredibly intimidating and discombobulating in terms mm-hmm. of what's mm-hmm. going on in the room. Mm-hmm. And it's stressful to watch mm-hmm. as these two people who are coked out of their minds are tr- trying to deal with this very stressful situation. Mm-hmm. But it all goes horribly wrong, basically. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's, but that's based on something that happened to John Holmes. He got, he got involved with some very dodgy people. Right. And <clears throat> some people got killed and oh. he... I don't think he ever did time for it, but he was certainly under investigation as being involved in it. Right. Yeah. The Wonderland Murders, I think they were called. Yeah, it was very seedy and unpleasant. Right. Towards the end of his career, mm-hmm. when he was on the skids, basically. Right. Um, so, Boogie Nights is is fantastic. It's just so, got... As I said, it's all what, about the characters. What would you say the, What would you say was was PTA-ish about it? By which I mean Parent Teacher Association. Yes, <clears throat> I think the ensemble cast. Mm-hmm. Um, I think taking a, I think maybe in somebody else's hands, could have been a very different movie. Mm-hmm. He makes it relatable, right, right, right. Which so I think is a difficult of, ask. 
It could have been exploitative. Grimy and exploitative, yeah. Yeah, he okay. makes it relatable, which is amazing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the cast is just fantastic. You know, you've got people, I'd say like 90s actors, like people who were at their peak at that time, people mm-hmm. like Philip Seymour Hoffman and William mm-hmm. H. Macy. Yeah. Um, are just fantastic in this. Yeah. Cool. I mean, Philip, Philip Seymour Hoffman's amazing in everything. Yeah. He walks into a scene and he could he could just have a sign around his neck saying, I'm going to steal this scene from everybody in this room <laughs> yeah. and there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> yep. 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 Uh, so yeah, really like Boogie Nights. It's terrific. Cool. So, two years Pro- later... I should probably watch that. Yeah, I think you should. In 1999, two years later, we had Magnolia. Right, I think I've seen it. Okay, it's a long movie. Magnolia. Yeah. Has it got Tom Cruise in it? It does. Right, yeah, I'm pretty sure I've seen it. Yes. I didn't I really, really get it. Like... Okay. <laughs> a very Altman-esque movie. Right. Yeah. I think this is probably his most Altman-esque movie. Okay. In terms of how big the cast is. Shall I do a rundown of who's in this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Tom Cruise. Melinda Dillon. Philip Baker Hall, who was in the two previous movies. Mm-hmm. Philip Seymour Hoffman, again. Mm-hmm. Uh, William H. Macy, again. Again. Alfred Molina, again. Again. <laughs> Julianne Moore, again. Again. Michael Murphy, not again. John C. Riley, again. So Gwyneth Paltrow. Jason Robards. Did, I wonder who decided, whether it was Gwyneth Paltrow or PTA <laughs> who decided. No, thanks. May- I don't know. Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Uh, maybe she worked with Wes Anderson and thought, I think I prefer this to... Uh, mm-hmm. Although I don't think she ever did anything with Wes Anderson again, either. <laughs> oh, dear. Maybe there's a pattern emerging here. <clears throat> yeah, was she only in... Um, the Royal Tenenbaums. Royal Tenenbaums. Which is great. Yeah. And she's great. Yeah. Uh, so, um, Magnolia is a 1999 American epic psych- psychological drama film. Mm-hmm. Now, if you remember this, you remember that Tom Cruise is a kind of snake oil salesman who sells, he's selling um, to what we would probably call today, uh, what are they? Um, No, folks who live in basements and live with their parents Mm -hmm. and have social issues and think Mm -hmm. that the reason they can't find a girlfriend is because girls don't like them. Oh, and I like, <clears throat> think that they're owed. Yes. Well, yeah, they they're called? owed something. Anyway, yeah, those yeah. people. Yeah. So he okay. he does he does he rocks up at convention centres mm-hmm. and says horrible things and says you can have all of this if you want it. Presumably, they're paying a lot of money. Oh, is he like a motivational speaker this? type person? Yes, yes, right. but it's all about getting women. That's his whole right, thing. Right, right. Or is it? Or even uh, con- like what they call that mind control? Oh, um, NLP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is a discredited pseudoscience, yeah. kids. Uh, but, yeah, NLP. It's kind of what Scientology is. Uh, yeah, it kind of is, yeah. Yeah, kind of a cult. Just Tom Cruise. It's interesting that Tom Cruise, being a Scientologist, is playing this character. Well, more on that in the next film. Okay. Maybe the one after that, actually. But, um, yeah, so... He's doing one of these classes. Uh, I should say this is a... This is Altman-esque in the way that it's very much like Robert Altman's movie Shortcuts. Okay. 
which is basically a series of scenes that are then intertwining. Right. Um, <clears throat> so there are lots of characters in this movie, and they all have something in common with each other, in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, but Cruz uh, has a secret. And that secret is that his, he, he is estranged from his father, who mm-hmm. is dying. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> a woman, a, a, a journalist, turns up to one of his motivational speaking things mm-hmm. and asks to speak to him and says, you're a bit of a fraud, aren't you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he, he's obviously very defensive and very confident. And then she tells him all about the fact that she knows that he's got a dying father and estranged and all this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's he just sits there silently staring at her. Mm-hmm. And she says, what are you doing? And he says in a very Tom Cruise kind of way, I'm silently judging you. <laughs> Which is a great line. <laughs> and he delivers it very well. I think Cruise is really good in this film. Right. Um, so there's that, there's that plot line. Then there's the plot line of his dying father who has been looked after by Cruz's sister, who is played by Julianne Moore. Mm-hmm. And she is high on prescription drugs most of the time. Mm-hmm. Terrific performance. Jason Robards plays the father, and the nurse is played by Philip Seymour Hoffman. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> then there's another plot line with uh, John C. Riley, who plays a cop. Um, and there's another plot line with... Um, Philip Baker Hall, who plays the host of a quiz show. Okay. And on the quiz show, there it's a quiz show for kids, basically. Mm-hmm. And there's a kid who's on the quiz show who's got a father who's very domineering, basically. Wants him to win all the time. The pressure. So are these plot lines connected? They're connected in a way, yeah. yeah. But not really. That sounds like a not really. Not really, no. <clears throat> but it's all about people in, in extremists, basically. Okay. Yeah, people in very tough positions having to make hard decisions about things. Okay. Um, I really enjoyed... I, I mean, I've really enjoyed all of his movies, but I think Magnolia I found to be very rewarding and that it is quite long, Yeah. but all the performances are just so good. And the way that it intertwines. It also has um, a couple of songs by Amy Mann. Um, so the opening... There's a song... Oh, is, that, is that Amy Mann? It might not be. But there's a song called One that opens it. Mm-hmm. And then as the film plays out, uh, we see all the characters in their various places of you know, either they're at work or at home or something. And a song plays. Uh, and the characters sing along with the song as it's playing. Mm-hmm. Which, is, which is hugely effective. Mm-hmm. Because although it's not naturalistic at all, you suddenly see a link between them all, right? In that they're all in extremists and they're all under the gun kind of thing. And, okay, um, <clears throat> it's very effective. It's the kind of thing that doesn't happen very often in a movie. Right. Um. So. Yeah, Magnolia is terrific. Cool. But and very, very I, different. Yeah, very, very what, different from Boogie Nights. What's what's PTA-ish about it? What, does it share anything with Boogie Nights? Uh, yeah, so again, you've got big ensemble cast. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got <clears throat> uh, relatability, again. 
So he's taking people in extreme situations, but still making them relatable. Okay. Still making them easy to understand and easy to get into. Okay. Okay. Um, I think that, having said that, I think Magnolia is definitely a spikier movie than um, mm-hmm. Boogie Nights. I think Boogie Nights is all like easy to get into. And yeah, I mean, Boogie Nights was kind of main, mainstreamly popular, wasn't it? Yes, I think this is more. I think this is more um, more niche in terms of what it's doing. Right, but that's not a bad thing. No, it's not. Not I mean, at all. I don't know if I should watch it again. I, think I mean, maybe when yeah. I watched it and I saw that Tom Cruise was in it, I was just expecting something a bit more normal. Really. Right. Yes, and then it wasn't at all. It's not really normal. Yes. Yeah, it's good stuff. So that's Magnolia. Mm-hmm. Next, from 2002, we have something of an oddity at the time. Uh, when you think about the actor Adam Sandler, what do you think yes. of? Uh, terrible movies? Yeah, I think that's fair. Terrible comedies. Um, terrible like, comedies. Very cheap. Very cheap. Cheap. Mass-produced. Incredibly comedies. successful. You know, he's, he's a very successful actor. Mm-hmm. But I've seen... I, have, I haven't actually seen the whole of an Adam Sandler film apart <laughs> from... Punch Drunk Love. Right. Uh, but the bits that I have seen just look dreadful. Right. Absolutely dreadful. So when I heard about this, and I heard that Paul Thomas Anderson had actually pursued Adam Sandler for this movie, I thought, what why? are you doing? <laughs> why are you doing that? So he is sort of an intriguing actor, Adam Sandler, isn't he? Like, I think when you, when you see this movie, you think, okay, I can see why. You want right. him for this. Yeah. Okay. So this is a 2002 romantic comedy drama film. What, what's so the name? Adam Sorry, Sa- I missed it. Um, Punch Drunk Love. Pun- oh, this is Punch Drunk Love. Okay, okay. Yes. Uh, stars Adam Sandler, Emily mm-hmm. Watson, Philip Seymour Hoffman, again, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Louis Guzman, again, mm-hmm. and Mary Lynn Raksub. Raksub? Ra- Rajkub? I'm not sure. I'm probably murdering that last mm-hmm. name, but... <clears throat> Um, it follows an entrepreneur with social anxiety, played by Adam Sandler, who falls in love with his sister's co-worker, played by Emily Watson. Yes. So this mm-hmm. was, I'd say, the most... If you were to say what you follow up Magnolia with, right? you wouldn't think it would be this. Because it's very <clears throat> different from Magnolia? Totally different. I mean, totally okay. different from anything else that he's done so Is far. It more mainstream. Um, no, it's just very different. Okay. I don't think it is all that mainstream. Okay, okay. it's a lot shorter. Right. So this is only ninety-five minutes long. Okay. So it's it's very short, and and to the point. Um, but what he manages to get out of Adam Sandler is this weird OCD-style persona mm-hmm. that is <clears throat> inc- both, at, at the same time, incredibly stressful to watch, mm-hmm. but also compelling to watch at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've heard this said about... Uh, there's, a, there's an Adam Sandler film that's a couple of, year, couple of years old now. It's a Netflix movie um, called Uncut Gems. Okay. In which he plays a jeweller who decides to sell some uncut gems and it all goes just 
the most pear-shaped you can imagine anything going. Mm-hmm. And I haven't seen that film because what I've heard about it is it's basically a two-hour anxiety attack. Like Clockwise. Clockwise. Is that what it's called? Clockwise? Is that yeah. with um, John, John Cleese? Cleese? Yeah. yeah. So like that, but probably turned up to 11. Mm, sounds bad. Um, and I just think I need Those to be in the right films are for mood. young people. Oh, exactly. I've got to be in the right mood to, uh, to approach something like that. But anyway... Um, what he brings to this is this kind of sweaty, OCD-style energy mm-hmm. that is just phenomenally compelling to watch. Mm-hmm. It um, wasn't him who was in the Royal Tenenbaums, right? No, he wasn't in that. Who is it? Who are you thinking in, of? Who's in Royal Tenenbaums? He's also normally in lower-quality films. <laughs> um, ben Look Stiller? Yeah, Ben Stiller, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, he was in the Royal Tenenbaums. Yeah, okay. That's where yes, I'm so this isn't This isn't Ben Stiller. Okay, okay. Um, I, I have so no he, way of distinguishing those two people in my mind. <laughs> he plays a guy called Barry Egan. He's a bachelor. He owns a company that markets themed toilet plungers. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a niche market. Mm-hmm. That's one that you would see on Dragon's Den, probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if listener doesn't know, there's a show called, that's been on the BBC for, I don't know, 15 years, maybe now called Dragon's I, I Den. Think, I think they've got it in America as well. Have they? Yeah. Okay. I mean, obviously, anyway. listeners could be from anywhere in the world. But that's true. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not going to go into that anyway. <clears throat> he has seven overbearing sisters mm-hmm. who regularly ridicule and emotionally abuse him. <laughs> and they mm-hmm. really do as well. <laughs> um, so he leads a lonely life punctuated by fits of rage and social anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um and one day he witnesses an inexplicable car accident. He picks up an abandoned harmonium from the street and encounters Lena Leonard, played by Emily Watson, who was a co-worker of one of his sisters. Uh, but Lena had orchestrated the meeting after seeing him in Elizabeth's family picture at work. So she's been stalking him, kind of Okay. Thing. Um, fair enough. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, He goes to his sister's birthday party where they tease him about his sexuality, leading to him breaking the sliding glass door with a hammer. Mm -hmm. A really shocking scene, actually. He just flips out completely and just smashes this patio door with a hammer. Mm -hmm. Um, Afterwards, he asks his brother-in-law to refer him to a therapist. Instead, he calls (laughs) a sex line. And becomes Who, the obsessed. Or no, him. Barry does. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and the the operator tries to extort money from him. Right. And uh, but when she fails to do so, she sends henchmen to collect the money. Okay. And this sex line place is run by Philip Seymour Hoffman, who plays a really nasty piece of work. Right. In this film. Um. So that's that's essentially. There's also a subplot in this that they haven't mentioned in the thing, where he he um, acquires loads of uh, like microwave chocolate puddings, and he's got them all stacked up on his desk. And there's no real some reason why idea. they're all there. Yes, yeah, some new business idea. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, um, it's quite bizarre, but uh, Punch Drunk Love is amazing. Right. I know I've said that all of these films are amazing, but this one. It's short. Uh, Adam Sandler is, an, is a revelation as a leading actor right. in this. Uh, Emily Watson is great. Philip Seymour Hoffman is a supporting role, but is still very good. 
Uh, it's just so good. And what's what's PTA about it? Uh, again, uh, slightly smaller cast, but um, he manages to make Barry Egan relatable. Right. Yeah. Even, Even though... though you might not think he would be, he's relatable, and you think, yeah, I could probably, I would probably react that way if I had seven sisters who were <laughs> constantly berating me for yeah. my inadequacies. I probably would smash a piece of glass with a hammer. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's quite an extreme situation, but. He just he's a man who's constantly got his back up against the wall. <laughs> and eventually he snaps in quite a big way. And that's it's quite something to see when he does really snap. Um yeah, so very PTA in terms of making it relatable and um and and pulling someone in like Adam Sandler and giving them something completely different to do from what they've done before. Yeah. I just like to. I just like to make a disclaimer that earlier when I said it was fair enough to stalk someone, that was a joke, and it's not it's fair not, enough to. Stalk no, it's someone. not fair enough. No, 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 no. I think listener would understand that. Yeah. Okay. Hopefully. It's just <laughs> no that we're on. The, it's you. just that we're on the internet. Yes, we are, and things get misconstrued. Yeah. So then we have a five-year gap to the next movie. Okay. What was he doing? Two thousand and seven. There will be blood, oh, which I think man. you have seen. I, I'm pretty sure I've seen it. I'm pretty sure it was boring and everyone loves it and I don't understand why. <laughs> okay, well. But um, I also mix it up with that other one. Was I think it's a Coen Brothers one. No, who was it? It could be. It came Grit? out at a similar time. Not no, True Grit, because I haven't seen True Grit. Um, hmm. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Okay, so tell me why I should like this. And I can't even remember whether I've seen it, but I think I have. You probably have seen it. Uh, so this is uh, an epic period drama film uh, loosely based on the 1927 novel Oil by Upton Sinclair. Mm-hmm. It stars Daniel Day-Lewis as a does character that, called Daniel Plainview. Does that t- that book, Oil, have an exclamation mark in the title? It does. Right. It I does. Hear, Did I, I convey that. that? I could hear it. Excellent. Oh, cool. Um, a silver miner turned oil man in mm-hmm. Southern California. A ruthless quest for wealth is how you would mm-hmm. describe this. Okay. It uh, also stars Paul Dano, Kevin J. O'Connor, Kieran Hines, and Dylan Frazier. So interestingly, um, no returning actors from previous movies in this one. Hmm. Which is interesting. Five year gap. Uh, I mean, there probably is no reason for that. Scheduling things just get in the way yeah. frequently. So, um, the first one of PTA's movies to be scored by Johnny Greenwood. Out of Radiohead? Yes. Right, right, right. And I think he scored all the others, but we'll find out. I think oh, he's wow. done all of the others since then. <clears throat> uh, received widespread, widespread acclaim for cinematography, direction, screenplay, score, and the performances. Um, yeah, Daniel Day-Lewis is like a force of nature in this film. I don't think I've ever seen him him being bad in any movie. I don't think Maybe he's been in some not great films, but... He is amazing in this. Right. He is, again, we'll probably get on to this, but you know, what's PTA about it? Mm-hmm. He makes this man who is ruthless in his quest to basically drill for all of the oil in Southern California mm-hmm. and shut down other businesses 
Uh, in fact, he, he says this to his adopted son. He says, I'm going to do the accent now. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I'm ready. I, uh, I had this competition in me. I don't want anyone else to succeed. Is he Scottish? Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also, he, 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 um, he just wants to destroy everyone and take their stuff and, and right. sell it. <laughs> He's unscrupulous. Is he unscrupulous? Yeah, he is pretty unscrupulous. Great right. performance. Right. Right. Really, really strong. Um, um, Maybe I haven't seen it. Oh, I don't know. Doesn't really ring any bells. It's good. It's very. I mean, it's it's very very good. His performance is is. I mean, an actor who was supposed to be playing his adopted son dropped out of the production for unspecified mm-hmm. reasons. Um, maybe un- because they just couldn't handle the the method acting of mm. Daniel Day-Lewis or something. I don't know. But anyway, um, it's a really strong movie. It's widely regarded by critics as one of the greatest films of the 21st century so far, which is high praise. I, I wish I at least remembered whether or not I'd seen it. Right. It's good. It's very, very good. I, there's not a lot else I want to say about it, actually. Okay, okay. Um, You've already said what's PTA about it. Yeah, it's very PTA. He makes him relatable, even though he's an awful person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does it have, like... Is it, does it also have people talking over each other and naturalistic acting and stuff? I'd, yes, definitely. Uh, I'd say there's probably less of the talking over each other, but certainly the, the acting is very naturalistic. It's not particularly stylized. Yeah. Right, right. I'm Let's I'm a on. big fan of naturalistic. <clears throat> Definitely. Uh, from 2012, so there's a bit of a break there. We have the right. master. Okay, I don't think I've heard of that. So I think I I I, alluded, I talked about this a little bit in the last pod. Um, it's a psychological drama film that is very loosely based on L. Ron Hubbard starting up Scientology. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it's set post Second World War. And <clears throat> stars Paul, um, sorry, Joaquin Phoenix, Philip Seymour Hoffman, back mm-hmm. again, and Amy Adams. So it's a small cast on this one. There are there are right. plenty of supporting folks, but they are the that's the the core mm-hmm. three mm-hmm. actors mm-hmm. in this. Um, so uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman is like the guru guy who is basically starting up a cult, right. And Joaquin Phoenix is a very troubled World War II veteran who kind of follows, just falls in with him because he needs mm-hmm. someone to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, and Philip Seymour Hoffman rightly, I think, understands that Joaquin Phoenix is going to be easy to manipulate because right. he is quite damaged. Uh-huh. Um, it was shot almost entirely on 65 millimeter film stock which is very unusual. Most people don't shoot on 65, they shoot on 35 mil. Right. Or 16 mil. Um, so what, so how does that affect things? It looks great. So <clears throat> if you're shooting on 65 or 70 mil, and then you're you're projecting on that ratio as well, you get a lovely picture. It right, looks fantastic. Right, right. Yeah. Why well, um, doesn't everyone do it then? It's expensive. Okay. Big film stock is expensive. So, like, um, when people used to shoot on full-size IMAX, mm-hmm. 
you get through a lot of film very quickly and it's really expensive. Right. Um, so 65mm is the same ratio as IMAX. Right, okay. <clears throat> but you shoot it slightly differently. <laughs> so, yeah, that is basically the story. It's, um, he's, uh, Joaquin Phoenix is a, a World War II veteran and uh, Hoffman is basically playing L. Ron Hubbard, but he's never, you know, they don't want to get sued, so they don't stay too close to that. But that, that is essentially what it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> Amy Adams is in this as well as uh, Hoffman's wife. Again, makes it relatable. Right. So yeah. it's quite a dark, disturbing story of someone being psychologically manipulated. So it makes the cult leader relatable. Makes it, uh, Yeah, absolutely. Even wow. though you don't really want to... to um, sympathize with him yeah you feel that he is relatable yeah. and uh i do i remember enjoying this i probably didn't enjoy this quite as much as the previous movies mm-hmm. um so although they are still relatable it is still a tough watch in terms of what's going on in the film mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but i did like it but mm-hmm. it is it certainly has some disturbing psychological stuff going on right yeah my not mind control because that doesn't really exist, but sort of manipulating people, yeah, to get what you want because brainwashing that exists. Yeah, you you promise them something that they want, so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you take them along for the ride. <clears throat> um, it's good, it's good. So okay, what do I say about it? It is very good, but I found it to be a tougher watch than previous movies, but still worth a look. Because a tough okay. watch. Oh yeah, also scored by Johnny Greenwood. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you say cool. a tough watch, you mean? Um, you mean boring or painful? No, not or? boring. Just um, uh, challenging. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because but you're experiencing good. difficult emotions and things. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Definitely. Okay. But again, two. Well, actually, no. Three great performances. I think Working Phoenix is an amazing performer. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact if you're going to put two people up against each other these two are a good match for each other in terms of yeah. how charismatic they are right. him and Philip Seymour Hoffman right. okay. are very charismatic performers okay I'm going to move on now mm-hmm. 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 from 2014 Inherent Vice do you have heard um, of it? Well, these, okay. will, these will pass me by so this is a, a period neo-noir mystery crime film based on a novel, okay, uh, which I have read, actually, and I quite enjoyed. Uh, I'd say this is um, a kind of, kind of similar to The Big Sleep and also The Big Lebowski that was based, loosely based upon The Big Sleep, in that it's about a the search for someone or something that doesn't really matter in the end kind of thing. Okay. It's more about the journey that happens along the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this also stars Joaquin Phoenix, um, Josh Brolin, Owen Wilson, Catherine Waterston, Eric Roberts, Reese Witherspoon, Benicio Del Toro, Jenna Malone, Joanna Newsom, Jenny Berlin, Maya Rudolph. Oh, Maya Rudolph is married to Paul Thomas Anderson. Okay. Um, Michael K. Williams, that's sad. He's no longer with us. Mm-hmm. And Martin Short. 
So good, that's a lot great of cast. people. That's a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and this is about a uh, a private investigator called Larry Doc Sportello, who's played by Joaquin Phoenix. He's a PI and a hippie. Lives in LA. She tells him about her new lover, who is a wealthy real estate developer, and asks him to prevent Mickey's wife, who is her lover's wife, from abducting Mickey and committing him to an insane asylum. That is the plot, basically. Okay. <laughs> um, and all kinds of stuff happens. I'm not going to go into the plot of it, but it's very, it's very Lebowski, Lebowski-esque in terms of what happens. In that, so is it a comedy? Yeah, it's definitely light-hearted. Okay, okay. Yeah. Now, um, when I originally heard about this, I heard that uh, Robert Downey Jr. was going to be the lead in this film. Mm -hmm. But that didn't play out. And instead, Joaquin Phoenix is the lead. Mm -hmm. And I don't think he has quite the energy for this role. Okay. Um. In that, I think I think this is one of PTA's few missteps as a director. Okay. Um, so although uh, there's the lovely period detail here, and all the cast are good, I think Joaquin Phoenix is miscast in the lead. Okay. Okay. I think he's wrongly cast for it, which is a shame because I think this could have been, if they'd had a different actor in the lead, I think it could have been quite something. You know, mm-hmm. somebody a bit more engaging. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I talked about in the previous movie with Joaquin Phoenix and um, Philip Seymour Hoffman being a good foil for each other, mm-hmm. I think they have a very similar style of performing. Right. Um, in that, I think you know Joaquin Phoenix is quite—I'd say he's quite a laid-back actor. He's probably not laid back as a person at all, but mm-hmm. his, his performances are usually fairly low-key, mm-hmm. quite naturalistic, I suppose. Um, and that doesn't really work in this role. Right, because if it's a comedy that's centred around that personality, yeah. it needs to be a bit big. A bit bigger, yeah, and it mm-hmm. isn't big enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So okay. what you need is a Robert Downey Jr. who's a bit twitchy and a bit loud and mm-hmm. you know can do the kind of machine gun dialogue. Mm-hmm. That's what you need in this role, and it doesn't really right. happen. Right. So although I quite enjoyed this... I know you should watch a film on what it is rather than what you think it could have been, but I was always watching it thinking, I wonder what this could have been with somebody else in this role, right. which is sad. And that's my Isn't problem, weird. I think. It's weird how things things you hear affect you. And, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it's like definitely. knowing whether it's a Coen Brothers film. Yeah, it is, yeah. Um Uh, so Downey Jr. later said that Anderson wanted to make the film with Phoenix because he thought that Robert Downey Jr. was too old for the role. Which I don't think is the case, really. Right. Um, yeah. So anyway. Uh, is that not, a catty it's, comment? It's okay. uh, possibly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This was also scored by Johnny Greenwood. Yep. Um and there's not a lot else I want to say about it, really. What, what's PTA-ish about it? Another big cast. Um, yeah. More nostalgia. So right, right, right. 
Yeah, I think we're finding a. I think probably with the exception of Magnolia and um, Punch Drunk Love. Actually, no, there's quite a few exceptions here. But let's <laughs> let's look at say Boogie Nights. Yeah. This and uh, Licorice Pizza all have a nostalgic look at the past. Right. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so let's move on. Uh-huh. From 2017, Phantom Thread. Still, still not having okay. heard of this. It's weird. Okay. So this is an American historical drama film set in uh, the UK. Uh-huh. Yep. So this is a, a big change for him. Right. Um, again, starring Daniel Day-Lewis. Mm-hmm. As a character called Reynolds Woodcock, which is just a wonderful name. <laughs> and he is a... Um, a clothing designer for members of high society right. and royalty. So, mm-hmm. you know, at the probably at the pinnacle of what you want to be doing, mm-hmm. or maybe if you want to be doing that kind of thing, he is at the pinnacle of what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he has muses who he, he you know, models who mm-hmm. basically he designs for them and he mm-hmm. uses them as a, as a way to inspire him. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't have one at the moment. Right. It's like uh, Doctor Who. Pretty much, yes. Like a companion. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And he goes to um, a restaurant near his country house where he meets a foreign waitress played by Vicky Creeps, uh, who's called Alma. And um, he's sitting there ordering breakfast and he looks up at her and you can just see in his eyes... I found my muse. Right. He orders breakfast. He says, I'll have the bacon and the mm-hmm. sausages. Uh, Lapsang souchong, toast. And just reels off a list of breakfast items because he doesn't <laughs> want her to leave. He's just kind of sizing her up and <laughs> trying to figure out whether she can be his muse. <laughs> it's a terrific scene. Okay. It's um, a bit dodgy. Yeah. I mean, it, it, this, is a, this is a story of obsession. Mm-hmm. From both of them. So she mm-hmm. does join him to be his muse mm-hmm. and to be his right. model. And then when she senses, perhaps, that he is growing tired of her, mm-hmm. uh, she poisons him. She deliberately poisons him with mushrooms. Right. He gets really sick. Mm-hmm. And she stops the doctor from coming in to see him. She stops... I should talk about his sister, actually. He has a sister, played by Leslie Manville, who is very protective of him. Uh-huh. and initially doesn't like Elmer coming into mm-hmm. their lives but mm-hmm. starts to warm to her after mm-hmm. this incident right? because she sees that Elmer is actually serious about staying with them uh-huh. so she stops everyone can, from coming in then she nurses him back to health right? thereby kind of making him dependent on her yeah. in the way that she is dependent on him mm-hmm. and, and making herself invaluable yeah and then later on in the film, um, uh, he says to her, "I think I, I think I need to be sick again." And they had this weird codependent relationship, whereby he mm. surrenders control to her for a short period of time, and he, <sighs> she nurses him. It's okay. definitely an odd it's movie. <laughs> it's an, it's is, definitely weird. Yeah, it's not she, right. Yeah, is she the relatable? Uh, Difficult person in this. Yeah, she's our again. way into this. Yeah, she's our every woman. Yeah. 
But is like you know he makes someone relatable. Is in this is it her? Because it's been the men every time. Up yeah, to it's now. definitely her. He is right, uh, Reynolds Woodcock is a man you just simply cannot understand. <laughs> okay. Maybe unless you're a clothing designer. Okay. Um, I simply cannot understand what's driving him. Okay. Okay. Um, I suppose more money is one thing, but okay. um. What's interesting about this movie is all of the seamstresses in the film who do all the work are actual seamstresses from fashion houses in London. Right. So uh, they all look very professional and very driven about what they do. There's some lovely scenes with them making clothes where it all looks, obviously, it all looks incredibly authentic Mm -hmm. and and beautiful work that they're doing. Mm -hmm. So um, I think Phantom Thread is an absolute triumph of a movie. Right, because it takes a, you know it takes a subject that could be just really incredibly dull, and because it it pulls in this thread about the codependency and the mm. um uh, the surrender of control on both of their parts, mm-hmm. it makes it something really really interesting. Right, although definitely messed up and not right. Yeah, I mean that's what's interesting about it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and is uh, what's PTA ish about it? Um, making her relatable uh-huh. uh, again very naturalistic scenes so there's scenes where um, he is with his where the brother and sister are together where Reynolds and his sister are together and the dialogue between them is usually like a fixed camera and it's just mm-hmm. observing their their mm-hmm. dynamic is really interesting mm-hmm. so at one point he is about to have an argument with his sister Mm-hmm. And she just cuts it off immediately. It says, "Don't do that. You'll just lose." <laughs> they have a really interesting. You know, she mm-hmm. she is basically his manager, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's formidable in the way that she deals with people. But she really likes Elmer, mm. and she recognises that he needs uh, a female companion who who is not her, not mm. the sister. You know, mm-hmm. she does realise that that if he doesn't get that, then. Uh, he's probably going to die alone, mm-hmm. which would be mm-hmm. sad. Mm-hmm. But another fantastic performance from Daniel Day-Lewis. His, right. his vocal performance in this, he, he, um, he sounds like a man who is, um, was maybe not born in England and has learnt English uh, from a foreign tutor. That, that's right. kind of what it sounds like. Right. It's a very specific, measured right. way of speaking Right. That yeah. is kind of indefinable, but but kind of marks him out as being slightly different from everybody else. Right. And it's very consistent. You know, he's such a great actor. His performance is consistent throughout. Right. It's really good, Phantom Thread. Highly recommended. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Highly recommended. More, more music by Johnny Greenwood. Yeah, it's very a little good. Bit art, a little bit more arty? Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that brings us up to date with Licorice Pizza. And we know about Licorice Pizza. We do. Because yeah. we, we listened to last week's podcast. Yes. So um, that's that's our PTA roundup. I am going to watch Hard 8, though, listener. Right. At and some you can point. get back to us. Yeah, I will. I, I won't do a full pod about it, but I'll definitely get back and say that was interesting. Yeah. So if you had to pick one to start with... If uh, I had to go to a desert island... <laughs> Not that we're we're doing that, but um, 
Is that what if you mean? You, or no, if no, listener if, had to start with one. Yeah, if listener hadn't seen any of these, which right. one should they see? They should start with Boogie Nights. Right, and and of the ones that I haven't seen, which one should I see? I think you should watch Punch Drunk Love. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I, I would wonder, say listeners, listeners should start with Boogie, listener. Boogie Nights. Right. 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 Yeah, you should start with you should go for Punch Drunk Love because I think you'd love it. I'm sort of attracted to. Yeah, I mean, I think I should watch Boogie Nights, but yeah, Punch Drunk Love was the other one that kind of caught my attention. Yeah. Yeah, it's really. I feel good. really dissatisfied now that I've watched Magnolia. And I, I didn't get it, and I should probably watch it again. And I need to figure out whether I've actually seen uh, There Will Be Blood or not. <laughs> Maybe you haven't. Uh, Maybe you haven't, you did hate it. I think I've seen the other one that came out at that time, and it was just really dull and everyone loved. Oh, No, are you co- no Country, for, no old country for Old Men, yes. Yeah. I didn't like that much either. Right. Why did everyone like it so much? Because um, it's a Cohen's film, but it's not their best. Yeah, I think the stuff with um, oh, who plays the bad guy? Javier Bardem. Yeah, I just didn't. Just isn't see, that good? I just didn't see the point of it. People love that about it. Ah, didn't get it. Didn't get it. No, it's not great, is it? Yeah, No Country for Old Men is not great. Okay, so I have to stop confusing No Country for Old Men with There Will Be Blood. Yes, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> They're, they're I'm pretty two, sure I haven't seen them. They did come out the same year, so there were three big yeah. hitters that year. There was that. There was no. There will be blood. No country for old men, and the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, <laughs> which is a long title, but it's actually a very good film. Okay, I don't think I've seen that either. Yeah. It's just a stupid title. It is a stupid title. It's too long. It's pretentious, but it's a very good film. Yeah. Excellent. Tell me what you have been watching. Oh, okay. Um, well, we finished our re. Actually, my wife's rewatch of Scrubs. My right first watch of Scrubs. Right. We've right. we've we watched the whole thing, even wow. up to the dodgy final season that isn't actually Scrubs because most of the actors aren't in it. Right. Oh, uh, we we gave up at yeah. some point late on, but but not that late. Right. Um. So we finished that. Uh, we finished the other one, which is on BBC One. Okay. That's a comedy. That's good fun. Uh, we've just started Everything I Know About Love, which is a BBC Two show, I think, an adaptation okay. of a book. Okay. And we've just started Avoidance with Romesh Ranganathan. Oh, I saw that and thought, eh, it probably won't be any good. It's painful. It's yeah, it's, it's a, a sitcom, sitcom but it's right. painful to watch. Oh, he's actually really right. he's a very good performer. He yeah, is basically like him. being him. Right. <laughs> but if you like him, then that's what you're I do getting. Like him. I do like him. Um it's painful. It's um excruciating in the way that Curb Your Enthusiasm is excruciating. <laughs> right. Right, right, right. In that you just want to stick your head in the ground and <laughs> wait until it's gone away kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> we have been watching uh Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Oh, Netflix, that's good. Yeah. Which is, uh, so far, just above the line of good enough that we keep watching. Season three is not good. I just but I haven't, I, yeah. like, I haven't, like, really got the bug for Kimmy Schmidt. Like, I, I think it's it's okay, but it's not, not super great. Okay. We've been, watch, we've been watching something else, which is quite a surprising watch for us, but 
my wife listened to a podcast with the, the, the star on. No, the maker. The maker and the star. Anyway, I think. Anyway, um, which is called Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I've heard that's good. Also on Netflix. Yeah. Uh, it, it is good. And that is also coming above the minimum bar for us to keep watching. Okay. Uh, again, I wouldn't say it's like blowing me away. Right. But for a show that, that has at least one song every episode. Yeah, that's right. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. I've the the that. fact that I'm still watching is pretty impressive. Okay. The same goes for my wife. Neither of us is a fan of musical <laughs> theatre. Right, no. Yeah. In fact, we had, a, we had a delicious moment the other day. We were at a local fair on the high street and someone with some leaflets came up to my wife and said, Hi, do you like musical theatre? And she was unable to answer in any way other than to say, No. no. <laughs> <laughs> so that left the person with the leaflets looking for somebody else to give leaflets to. Yeah, there, there was no leaflet. After no. that. Um, and we all, I've also been watching something else that I think I'm going to fail to recall. Because it wasn't that good? Which was actually okay. See if it comes back to me. We've started watching, well, we have been watching for about four or five weeks now, a show called Castle Rock. Okay. Which is a an American show... Uh, based around the fictional town of Castle Rock, which is a town where a lot of Stephen King's novels are set. Right. Uh, and it features some of his characters, but it's mostly... Uh, and some of his locations. So Shawshank Prison mm-hmm. is in this show. Uh, but it's it's produced by Bad Robot, so it's produced by J.J. Abrams. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's pretty good. You know, it's okay. like the Stephen King show that... Um, you didn't know was a Stephen King show kind of thing. He's an executive producer on it, but he didn't write okay. anything. Okay, okay. Yeah, it's pretty good. I think what's possibly annoying me about it is that Abrams is very much into his mystery box thing, whereby you don't know the answer till the final episode. And then it turns out to be not even an answer. And that's starting to grate on me a bit. Oh, Lost made me so sad. <laughs> um, so I've, I found it. Uh, so the thing, the other, another thing that I've been watching that is also passable so far is God's right. Favourite Idiot. I'm, oh, okay, I've not heard of that. It's about a man who is a, quite an ordinary but seemingly, seemingly nice chap who has been chosen by God to, to get some kind of message out. And he starts right. kind of glowing in restaurants and things. Okay. Against his will. <laughs> And he doesn't. So far, he's not really clear what the message is. It's all it's all a bit confused. So that's kind of fun. And the basically, the dialogue there's there's they argue they they work in a boring office, and they argue in the office. And the the dialogue is quite good. Okay. The rest of it, you know, where's that? Okay. Where will I find that? That's also Netflix. Okay. Okay. And I've heard of it. I heard the reason I I watched it is because I'd heard somewhere that it was good. So maybe it would become better. I don't know. What we have, what we have just started watching mm-hmm. is a show called Big Mouth, mm-hmm. which is a Netflix show. Right. That I've always looked at the like the banner on Netflix and thought that looks terrible. Mm-hmm. But my wife heard about some of the actors in it and and heard about what it's all about, which is basically teen angst and people going from being kids into teenagers and all mm-hmm. the stuff that comes along with that. It's really good. Right. It's really, yeah. really insightful and funny and incredibly rude, which I really enjoy. Right. Yeah, 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 that's good. Uh, so um, good casting, 
there's, a, there's some of the cast, some of the folks who were in, or at least one person who was in Parks and Recreation is in this, right, an right, actor right. called Nick Kroll, right. who played, I think, either Crazy Ira or <laughs> The Douche, who were like the, the radio DJs in Parts of Recreation. Oh, right. I don't really Crazy Ira and the <laughs> douche. <laughs> Presumably they're mostly talking about Lil Sebastian. <laughs> I love Lil Sebastian. <laughs> That's so good. I put that We've on our... Uh, we have a family playlist that we, we play in the car. <laughs> and I put, um, put 10,000 candles in the wind. <laughs> bye bye Lil Sebastian on there. It's such a um, good song. We've pretty much faded away with working mums because okay. it started to turn into sex in the city kind of thing okay yeah i can see that yeah but i i might continue i think my wife said it had pulls enough. itself back from that though right 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 yeah, yeah i i i think i might continue i don't know whether my wife will she she doesn't put up with things for long i can't think what else we've been watching actually um that's enough that's that'll do that'll do pig uh, I must repeat, if I can remember the name of it, I must repeat the thing that you must watch. Oh, okay. Which I told you about a while ago. Oh, it's oh no, there it is, Maniac. Oh, yes. Yeah. I repeat, you must watch Maniac. Which is a foreign language thing? No, it is not. Ah, okay. Ah, no, I do remember this, yes. It's yeah. on Netflix. It's set yeah. in a, an alternate version of the present kind of thing. Yeah. I do remember that. Yes, like I, what, I am going to watch that. What the, what they thought it was going to be like now in the 60s. The other thing I've been watching is Foundation. Right. On what? Apple Apple TV Plus show. Oh, Apple. That's why I haven't watched it. Because I'm a yep. huge fan. I was at least a huge fan of the Foundation the books. books. When I reread yeah. them recently, they were Less quite so. a lot more sexist than I remembered. <laughs> yeah, I should, I should imagine they are. But I still um, like the big ideas in them. The big ideas are still there. Right. Um. I mean, it, they are sprawling books, aren't they? In terms of the yeah. way that Dune is a sprawling. So, is this good enough that I should books? get this for Christmas on DVD? Yeah, I liked it. Okay, I might um, add it to my. Fish I haven't list. finished watching the series yet, but um, the cast is great. I think the ideas are there, the the execution and the like, the cinematography. I mean, Apple. Yeah, I think of all they, the streamers of all the shows that I've seen, Apple have the most production values. Yeah, they just and the quality really is quality. so high. So I'd also I'd also recommend C, which okay. is an Apple show with Jason Momoa and Dave Bautista in series two. You love Dave Bautista. <laughs> I'm a big Dave Bautista fan. <laughs> yeah, um, he's a he's an actor who's very relatable. Yep. Yeah, very relatable. Um, yeah, C is is another show that you can see the production all the time. It's like right. Look right. at the, look at what we spent on this. It looks amazing. It looks fantastic. Right. Speaking of good production, I was just reflecting the other day that how much I enjoyed Chernobyl. Oh yeah, I finished that. Yeah, really grim. Like it. So so grim. I guess it's grim. Yeah. I think my favourite two episodes were the ones where it ends with some people going into the now completely destroyed area to go and open up the water pipes. Mm-hmm. It ends with the Geiger counters going mad, mm-hmm. and the next episode opens with the Geiger co- with them going mad, and and opens with the same scene. Right, right. It's right, so right. good. It's so clever. Right. I thought it was absolutely brilliant, Chernobyl. Yeah, I really, yeah, the, really the, great the first, cast. First episode where 
It's like they're on an alien planet or something. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, and the miners, the miners giving their lives to save the world. Yes. Ah, oh, incredible, incredible. Yeah, it's, it's really good, isn't it? Yeah. Very impressive. That's right, about so. it, though. That's all I got for today. Well, that's a lot. Yeah. Any plugging? No. Any plugging? Oh, yeah, well, um, a video came out recently of... My one of my talks at the ACCU conference. Ooh. So if you if you look at the ACCU YouTube stream, um, uh, one of the videos on there is called Vim for Fun. Oh, okay. And it's about is it about uh, um, German director Vim Wenders? It's not. It's about <laughs> okay. the the, uh, the text editor Vim, oh, which okay. is a um, it's a very technical text editor, very in- intimidating. But I like using it because it's really fun to learn, and once you get into it, it really feels really productive and cool. Yeah. Um, and one of the things I like about it is just that it's like really weird and geeky. Um, but it is a lot of fun, and so I try and explain why I find it fun in that talk. Cool. And then hopefully my other talk will be coming along soon. They've been releasing them gradually because the conference was quite a while ago. Can you uh, link those on the next pod? Oh, I can try. I'll, 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 <laughs> if I remember, what have I got to do? I've got a link. Uh, about John Ronson. John Ronson, yeah, the um, last days of August and, yep. yeah, the Vim for Fun talk. I can put that, those in this, if I remember. Nice. We'll I mean, listen, time. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this in like half an hour, the editing <laughs> for this program, but yep. will I remember? It's hard to say. It's hard to say. Uh, that's all I got, though. I'm done. Awesome. It's well, that was... Here. That was, that was a lot. <laughs> it was quite long, but I enjoyed it, and I feel like I've missed a lot of excellent movies. So thank you. Yeah, I mean, you could do a lot worse than catching up on Paul Thomas Anderson's uh, back catalogue. Yeah. Yeah, a lot worse. Cool. Listener, let us know um, which is your favourite Paul Thomas Anderson movie or which of the these ones you decided you're going to watch because of this podcast. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. And then if you do watch it, we'd like to hear your feedback. We'd like to hear your feedback, listener. Would you like to know more? Would you like to know more? Yes, we would like to know more. Yes, we would like to know more, actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'd like to see, a new Starship Troopers movie. Really? I'd love that, yeah. Did they do a sequel? No, they didn't. Maybe they did do a sequel, but it wasn't anything to do with Verhoeven, Verhoeven, so. Right. Yeah. There's something about that movie that's just enticing. Yeah, and yeah it's yeah, it's very um, visceral, isn't it? Very, yes. Yeah, like Robocop is visceral. Yeah, yeah. But also anti-establishment, and there's much more going on underneath than you realise. Yeah. It has good rewatch value. And written by, originally written by a fascist. Robert Heinlein, yes. Yeah, yeah. but then presumably undermined... Presumably the filmmakers were not fascists because it fascism doesn't come across that well, does it? No, it comes across as something that you that is not good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, weird. In fact, they come across as like goose-stepping idiots, really. Yeah. yeah it's a great film, and uh, Doogie Howser's... Awesome. Doogie Howser plays a bad guy. <laughs> yeah. Who knew? Sorry, Doogie Howser, that I don't know your actual name. Yeah. 
anyway that's it that's it see you next time Bye-bye. thanks for putting up with us bye bye